number 278. If somebody could please start that. says that um, this is an address to young people. I trust to respect the exercise of the brethren here in Montreal and address you young people. This, I trust, will be not very deep. It will be simple. But I do have you, dear young souls on my heart. Those of you who are older are welcome to listen in, but I'm going to direct my comments particularly to those here who are younger. First Kings chapter 18. In our last meeting, we had a scripture that said, follow after that which is good. Follow after that which is good. I have in my heart this afternoon to speak about following Following here in 1 Kings chapter 18, we have Elijah speaking partway through verse 21. And he says here, if the Lord be God, follow him. If the Lord be God, 
follow him. Let's pray. I look at you young hearts this afternoon, and um, I recognize I'm not where you're sitting. You look at me and you see an old man. Um, and you're right. Uh, this week, the um, young people in Rideau Ferry, they encouraged me to, uh, to go to a fitness class. And um, it was a moment of weakness for me. I agreed to go. And so I went with them and um, the door opened up and it was a a bike spinning class and a TRX class. Half an hour of biking, half an hour TRX. We walk in the room. I look at all these lean, fit bodies. And um, my uh, heart rate um, rarely goes over 100. And I'm, I, I look at the instructor and he kind of smiles as he looks at me. He's, he's standing there like a, like a tree trunk and um, looks like, you know, he's in a pair of sweats and a, and a T-shirt. And it looks like he's been chiseled out of pure marble. And uh, he comes over to me and he, he puts out his hand and I, I grasp his hand. It's, it's, like grabbing a, it's like grabbing a brick. And he's very gentle. He kind of smiles at me, but I, I, I have the recognition that if he had squeezed my hand, he would have just crushed it. So I look around at all this equipment, and I'll, I'll be honest with you, I was terrified, absolutely terrified. And I say that, young people, because I realize that there's a gap between me and between you. My teenage physique has uh, evaporated a long time ago. But I did at one time sit in the very seat that you're sitting this afternoon. Yes, I'm not faced with exactly the same things, perhaps, that you are. But the bottom line is, yes, I was. And my, my desire this afternoon is that you would follow wholly after the Lord Jesus. Perhaps there are some here who are following. And we trust that this afternoon that you would continue to follow. And maybe there's some here and you have not followed at all. And you're wondering whether you should or not. But we trust to exercise your heart and your soul this afternoon that you would indeed follow the Lord Jesus. And perhaps there are some here this afternoon even who have followed the Lord Jesus and you've decided to turn away. Or we trust that as we look into this blessed book, that your heart would be touched and that once again you would follow after the Lord Jesus. You know, we read of many people in the word that followed the Lord. We've been in the book of Joshua, and he says, I, I wholly followed after the Lord my God. We read about Caleb, and it says he wholly followed after the Lord. We read about David, and actually maybe we could turn to that in, um, in 1 Kings. 1 Kings chapter 14. Partway through the, through the verses, a tremendous encouragement to me. It says, As my servant David, who kept my commandments and who followed with me with all his heart to do that which was right in mine eyes. You know, as I reflect on the life of David and see how it's beset with much failure, what an encouragement this is to me to see that the Lord looks at David and through repentance, he says, David, who followed me with all his heart. What an encouragement that is. I want to, I read some scriptures actually this, um, this past Tuesday evening at our prayer meeting in Rideau Ferry, not realizing I was going to be asked to take an address here. And I'd like to just go through some of those scriptures again. Um, 
If you turn with me to Luke's Gospel, Luke's Gospel, and I'm just going to simply go through some scriptures. You're going to have to turn quickly. We're not going to spend any time on them. A little bit later on in the meeting, we will turn to Luke 9 and spend a bit of time there. But if you would first um, turn with me to Luke's Gospel, chapter 5. And we read this in connection with the disciples. In the earlier verses, in verse 11, Luke chapter 5, And when they had brought their ships to land, they forsook all and followed him. Look at later on in the, in the chapter, in verse 28, in connection with Matthew. He's called Levi here. Verse 28, And he left all, rose up, and followed him. Turn over now to chapter 7. Luke chapter 7. And verse 9, When Jesus heard these things, he marveled at him and turned him about and said unto the people that followed him. Turn over to chapter 9. Luke chapter 9. And verse 11. And the people, when they knew it, followed him. Verse 23. And he said to them all, if any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. Turn over now, later on in the book, to chapter... 18, and verse 28, And Peter said, Lo, we have left all and followed thee. And in connection with the blind man at the end of the chapter, verse 43, Immediately he received his sight and followed him. A little further on in Luke's Gospel. Chapter 22, verse 39, the end, of the, the end of the verse, Luke 22 and 39, and his disciples also followed him. Chapter 23, verse 27, and there followed him a great company of people and of women. Verse 49, and his acquaintance and the people that followed him. Verse 55, the women also which came with him from Galilee followed after. Now turn with me to Mark chapter 10. You young people, after I read these scriptures, you're assessing now your life, aren't you? Are you following the Lord? Or are you not? Have you turned back? Have you been in a position where you're wondering whether you should or not? In Mark chapter 10, we find that there's this man that comes to the Lord Jesus in verse 17. When he was gone forth into the way, there came one running and kneeled to him and asked him, Good Master, What shall I do that I may inherit eternal life? And Jesus said unto him, Why callest thou me good? There is none good but one, that is God. Thou knowest the commandments. Do not commit adultery, do not kill, do not steal, do not bear false witness. Defraud not, honor thy father and mother. And he answered and said unto him, Master, all these things have I observed from my youth. And Jesus, beholding him, loved him and said unto him, One thing the Lord Jesus. Might not be a big thing. Might be a little thing. Maybe you're like the prodigal. You know, the prodigal said, I will arise and go to my father. But you know, the prodigal's footsteps never started taking him to his father until he took that first step. And maybe there's someone here this afternoon and you just haven't taken that first step in following the Lord Jesus. And there's maybe nothing hindering. You just maybe haven't thought about it. And you just, you just have, you're just not following. You know, I had an interesting thing happen in, um, 
in Florida two years ago. My wife and I were down there, and um, right close to where um, we stay, there's this outlet into the ocean from all the intercoastals. And the tide goes in and out there. When the tide comes in, it's very interesting because it's a narrow, um, it's a narrow waterway, not much wider than this room. And because of that, when the tide comes in, it's just a raging torrent that comes in. Well, there's a little park there, and people come every night, and they fish. One of the things they fish for is shrimp. They have this five-gallon bucket, and they fish away. They do it different ways. They cast in a net. They use a little dip net, um, and they catch these shrimp. And, you know, in an hour's time, they might catch 15 shrimp. And... um, When we were down there two years ago, something happened that only happens about once every ten years. And that was there was a shrimp run. And what that is, is schools of fish down in Florida, they they travel up the the Gulf Stream. The Gulf Stream where we are is right close to the shore. And occasionally there's these huge schools of shrimp. And when I say huge maybe 10 kilometers long by half a kilometer wide, like big schools of shrimp. And they usually come up the coast and they're on the eastern side. But occasionally, once every 10 years, they come up on the eastern side, which is right on the shore. And if that happens at a time when the tide comes in, there's lots of shrimp. And this was happening when I... I just arrived there, and I got down to the dock, and people were screaming. There's this this shrimp run, and uh, what it means is they have these nets, and they put a net in the water, and they pull it out, and it's full of shrimp. Like, the water was literally like thick soup. And people were literally filling up these buckets, and they were opening up their trunks, and they were just dumping the buckets in until the trunk was completely full of shrimp, because this never happens once in a long time. And I, I was watching this. I was just enthralled with, with all these shrimp. It was just, it was fascinating to me. And uh, someone said to me, um, so do you like shrimp? I said, yeah, I'd like shrimp. Uh, so did you get any? Uh, I said, uh, no. And they said, well, uh, um, did you have a net? I said, uh, actually, I did. There's, there's one in the place where you stay. Well, why didn't you use it? I don't know, I just didn't. And I'm wondering if there's someone here this afternoon, and that's the only excuse you can give for not following the Lord, that you're just not doing it. You know, I love shrimp. Some of these people, I'm sure, would have spent days cleaning these shrimp. I could have had all kinds of shrimp, but I just didn't do it. I'm just wondering, dear young person, this afternoon, if you're not following the Lord, it's well worth it to follow the Lord. It is well worth it. I've never, never once talked to anyone who has followed the Lord that said it wasn't worth it. As you sit there in your chair, perhaps not following the Lord Jesus, yes, you're saved. What's the hindrance from following the Lord when there's so much benefit? Let's turn back to Luke's Gospel. Luke's Gospel, chapter 9. Luke's Gospel, chapter 9, and verse 57. I'd like to spend a little bit of time on verse 57 through verse 62. It came to pass, as they went in the way, Luke 9, verse 57. As they went in the way, a certain man said unto him, Lord... I will follow thee whithersoever thou goest. You know, there was a willingness there. And there has to be a willingness to follow the Lord Jesus. You willing this afternoon? But it takes more than willingness. I will follow thee whithersoever thou goest. And and Jesus said unto him, The foxes have holes, the birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man hath not where to lay his head. It's not going to be easy. 
No one ever said it was going to be easy. I did something um, two days ago. I was sitting at my desk, and I was reading, and I pulled out a volume. Um, it was actually the table of contents for the Bible treasury. And on that table of contents is stapled this piece of paper. It's a birthday card that the young people in Montreal gave to me when I turned 21. So 42 years ago, I had it stapled there. It means something to me. There are... 52 signatures on here. It's interesting. Michelle Payette's on here and Francine Payette. It's before they had any children. Francois and Joanne are not on here. It's before they were saved. Faye Albrace on here. Louise Tasse. Diana Ross. Wenda Muir. There's a long list of people on here. There's some people that have passed away. Eleanor Wills, Peter Birkhoff, Harold Smith, Jacques Cheney, Fran Newton, so on. And there's a large number of people who are following the Lord. However, there are some, and I'm sure that those who are older here would like to see this afterwards, and you're welcome to have a look at this, this birthday card. There are a handful of people on here that sat in chairs just like this. I thought they were following the Lord and there is no evidence whatsoever now that they belong to the Lord Jesus. There are a handful of people that were following the Lord very definitely and turned away. They turned back. You know, that's such a solemn thing to to reflect on a birthday card like this from years ago? You know, what, what, if, what if I got out a sheet of paper and wrote everybody's name down here? And if the Lord leaves us here 15 years from now and we again looked at the list, where would you be? Do you earnestly have a desire this afternoon to really, truly follow after the Lord Jesus after all that he's done? Did you have that in your heart to follow the Lord Jesus? Let's go on to the 59th verse. And he said to another, Follow me. And he said, Lord, Suffer me first to go and bury my family. One of the major obstacles in seeking to follow the Lord is two little words that we find in here, and that is me first. Me first. He said to another, follow me, but he said, Lord, suffer me first to go and bury my father. Sometimes there's natural ties and they keep us from following the Lord. You know, I did something interesting this summer. Um, I drove to Montreal here from Rideau Ferry. I called Francois and Joanne up and wanted to have breakfast with them. Got to Montreal early. And um, I went to my old high school. Early in the morning, nobody there. Parked. Haven't been there for 40 years. Parked in the parking lot. John Rennie High School. It's just south of Fairview Shopping Center on St. John's Road. There I sat. 
And I reflected, as we often do, it's good to reflect sometimes on our, on our lives at various different times. I sat there and I reflected on my life. And I looked across the street at the police station where I spent some time in the chief of police's office for a misdemeanor. And there I sat in my car this summer and I reflected on the many, many different directions my life could have gone. I'm so thankful that the Lord Jesus put it in my heart to follow him. I didn't have the strength of my own, but he put it in my heart. And young person, you don't have the strength of your own either. But if you ask the Lord, he will indeed put it in your heart to follow wholly after him. And I'm so thankful that by the grace of God, that has happened. I stand before you as someone who has made every mistake possible in the book. The Lord has restored my soul time and time and time again. As I sat there, I just marveled at the grace of God. I sat there in my car, reflecting on the time, young people, when I was exactly your age, as you sit there in your chair, with life before you. I don't look at it that way now. It's very different. But where are you tonight, this afternoon in your relationship with the Lord Jesus? Are you willing to follow him wholly? That's what he desires for you. He wants your affections. He wants them all. You know, this 59th verse, he said, Lord, suffer me first to go and bury my father. There's a half-heartedness there. The Lord doesn't want half our hearts. If we turn to the Proverbs, the Lord says, My son, give me half thine heart. No, he wants our whole heart. He wants it all. You know, it was interesting being at this fitness class. And um, um, that was Tuesday. This is Saturday. I'm still sore. But the instructor, he, he was good. He was good. He was kind, but he was good. And when he saw half-heartedness, he just screamed at us. If he saw us pumping away there at 75%, he wanted 100%. And, you know, when we put it up to that 100%, he wanted 110%, and he just screamed at us. He didn't want half-heartedness. What about us in our Christian pathway? Is it half-hearted? Is it half-hearted? You know, we had a scripture that was read to us and referred to a number, number of times this day. And it was in connection with Ephesus. And it's, it was quoted this way. And it's often quoted this way about the, the Ephesian saints and how they lost their first love. You know, it doesn't say that. It says they left it. They didn't lose it. They left it. What a solemn, solemn thing. They left their first love. They did it with purpose. Where are you and I? In our soul's experience this afternoon. Let's go to the next one. Verse 61. And another also said, Lord, I will follow thee. Here we have the same wording. But let me first go and bid them farewell, which are at home at my house. And Jesus said unto him, No man having put his hand to the plow and looking back is fit for the kingdom of God. Now this is an analogy to what we have in uh, the first part of 2 Kings or maybe it's perhaps the, uh, the maybe it's the first part of 2 Kings or the, the end of 1 uh, Kings, I'm not sure, where we find Elijah and Elisha, there's this discourse and uh, Elisha is plowing. But turn with me to uh, 1 Samuel chapter 15 for a moment. First Samuel 15. First Samuel 15. 
and verse 11. Verse 10, rather. 1 Samuel 15 and verse 10. Then came the word of the Lord unto Samuel, saying, It repenteth me that I have set up Saul to be king, for he is turned back from following me. What a sad, sad commendation for someone who had so much benefit, someone who was granted so many things, someone who had so much opportunity. And the commendation here is he is turned back from following me. You know, young person, maybe you're right in that, that spot where we read about the disciples. It says, you know, they came to a place where two ways met. And maybe you're right at that point of decision in your life. Whether you're going to follow the Lord, maybe you've been following the Lord. And you're thinking, ah, you know, the cost is just too great. It's just too discouraging. I'm just going to throw the towel in. And I'm going to turn back like Saul did. What a sad, sad commendation. Turn with me to um, Psalm 78. Psalm 78. We have a, a similar scenario. Psalm 78 and verse 9. The children of Ephraim, Ephraim being armed carrying bows, turned back in the day of battle. Oh, I find that so sad. So sad. And yet, as I've gone through this birthday card, I recognize that there are so many names that are written there that have done that exactly the same thing. Those young people who, at that time when I was young, were a tremendous encouragement to my soul. And then they threw the towel in and turned back. What a sad, sad commendation. Turn with me now to Mark's Gospel. Mark's Gospel. Mark's Gospel, chapter 14. This takes place after the garden scene with the Lord Jesus and his disciples. And there comes Judas. And now they take the Lord Jesus. He says in the 49th verse, I was daily with you in the temple teaching, and ye took me not. But the scriptures must be fulfilled. And they all forsook him and fled. Now we have here another man following. And there followed him a certain young man having a linen cloth cast about his naked body. And the young man laid hold on him and he left the linen cloth and fled from them naked. You know, this speaks to my heart about reality. And I would just challenge you, young people, this afternoon. Just challenge your own heart while you sit there in your chair. Are you real? Are you real? You know, David speaks in the 51st Psalm of having truth in the inward parts. This man perhaps looked like a priest. He had a linen garment. The priests were supposed to have linen breeches on underneath. If they had take this, this garment away and he had his linen breeches on underneath, he wouldn't, have been, he wouldn't have had to flee naked. Where are you at in your reality? You know, this year, since I was here last year, something has taken place in my own family life that um, uh, has been exercising, and that is uh, the Lord has taken home one of my siblings. There's been five of us, now there are four. My brother Peter. the Lord took home to be with the Lord. At his funeral, I told a little story about him. I've told it to my local um, brethren as well. It's a story when my, my, my brother Peter was four. Okay, so being eight years older than me, I don't remember anything about it. Just my mother told me this story. 
and she said that she was dressing my brother Peter up one day. He wanted to go and play in the snow, and she dressed him up in his snowsuit, and just before she sent him out, she told him, she said, Peter, I, there's one thing I don't want you to do when you're outside there, and she, I don't even know what it was, but she told him he wasn't to do this one thing. So he goes outside, and she's at the sink, the kitchen window. She can see him out there. He goes and directly does the very thing that she told him not to do. So he comes in, and she challenges him. She says, um, you did such and such. No, I didn't. Well, she watched him do it. Um, yes, he did. No, I didn't. And then he said, um, how do you know? And in my mother's very French way of trying to explain to him that he had a guilty look on his face, she says, it's written all over your forehead. Well, some days later, he's in the basement playing. And he comes upstairs and he's, um, he's again got a guilty look on his face. But this time as he approaches my mother, he's pulling his hair down in front of his forehead. <laughs> you know, young people, at your age, you're a bit more sophisticated than that. But we can do exactly the same thing. And the Lord desires that there would be reality in our souls. He wants us to be real. He wants us to be real. This young man, there wasn't reality there. Yeah, he followed, he followed afar off. He had a linen garment. But when that was taken away, there was nothing on underneath. And young people, when the tests come, there's going to be no passing the test if there's no reality. And the Lord desires that you would have reality in your soul. As he says to you this afternoon, follow me. Follow me. I'd like to look at one other portion. Because one of perhaps the chief sources of discouragement for us in following the Lord Jesus is failure in our Christian lives. And subsequent to that, a lack of restoration. I want to speak for a few minutes about the restoration of our souls. It's something I know about. I've been restored thousands and thousands and thousands of times. That's not a compliment. But the Lord in his matchless grace has restored my soul. I think of the little prayer that Peter prayed. And I perhaps prayed that prayer more times in my life than ever before. And it's just three words. Lord, save me. You know, I prayed it just before this meeting. I was over there in the in the corner and I was feeling very desperate to, as to how to put these thoughts together and as to how to relay a message that will connect. Um, you know, there's nothing worse than, than standing here and, and looking, this, looking at this glazed look in, in young people's eyes because there's no connection. And I was over there just beseeching the Lord that, that I, he would just help me to be able to do that. And I just said, Lord, save me. And a brother came over from my own assembly, knowing I had the address, and he just came over and he just started praying. And I was so thankful for a dear brother to come over and to see me in my need and to come and to commit this time to the Lord. Not just me, but he was praying for you, dear young people, that there would be reality in your souls. Is there reality in your soul? Are you real? You know, this young man, there wasn't reality there. Well, let's look at John's Gospel, and it's John's Gospel, chapter 20. I'm thankful for that scripture that we have where 
David says in the 23rd Psalm, He restoreth my soul. He restoreth my soul. In John 20, I'm sorry, it's John 21. John 21 and verse 22. Verse 21, rather, Peter seeing him, that's um, John, saith to Jesus, Lord, and what shall this man do? And Jesus saith unto him, if I will that he tarry till I come, what is that to thee? Follow thou me. Now, the Lord had said this to Peter earlier. If we're to turn to Matthew's gospel, Mark's gospel, and Luke's gospel, the Lord Jesus, at the beginning of his ministry, he says to Peter, follow me. And now he's saying it again here in the 22nd verse. But we know something has happened in between. And that is that Peter has denied the Lord. Peter has denied the Lord. And it's very interesting to notice in the 15th verse when the Lord deals with this scenario in Peter's life. Because in order for there to be restoration in our own souls, the Lord's desire is that we each one would get to the point of departure. It's paramount, the point of departure. And so in verse 15 here, it says, When they had died, Jesus said to Simon Peter, "Um, Why did you deny me? He doesn't say that. Wasn't that the issue with, with Peter, that he denied the Lord? Yeah, but that was not the point of departure. And the Lord gets right back to the point of departure when he says, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me more than these? You know, before Peter had denied the Lord, Peter had boasted about his affection for the Lord. And that was the point of departure. And I would just suggest, young people, in our lives' experience, the point of departure in our lives is a very, very fine line. It's a very fine line. It's not a process. Sin is not a process. The... The nature that we're born with is one thing, the nature of sin. But the committing of sin is an act. Every time I can remember Albert Hall standing in Montreal, his Bible in his hand, his head lifted to the ceiling. The older ones can picture this, his eyes slammed shut. We're not sinners because we sin. We sin because we were sinners, and he took us through the book of Romans. So true. We're sinners a long time before we sin. Because we're born in sin, we're shaped in iniquity, we're born sinners. But if we turn now to the book of James for a moment... We have a process here that James brings before us in connection with our getting away from the Lord. And James says in chapter 1, verse 13, Let no man say, when he is tempted, I am tempted of God, for God cannot be tempted with evil. Neither tempteth he any man, but every man is tempted when he is drawn away of his own lust and enticed. Then when lust hath conceived, there's the line. There's the line that's crossed. It bringeth forth sin, and sin, when it is finished, bringeth forth death. And in our soul's experience, we need to find that line of conception. And if we can find that, that's the start of restoration for our souls. And if we can't find it, sometimes there's just no way. We can ask the Lord for help that way. And I believe that is so often why we don't experience restoration in our souls. Because we can't establish where that point of 
of departure is. We, we find it so many times in the Word. Turn over to uh, the book of the Acts for a minute. Acts chapter, Acts chapter 5. This is in connection with Ananias and Sapphira. It says, A certain man named Ananias and Sapphira and his wife sold a possession and kept back part of the price, his wife also being privy to it, and brought a certain part and laid it at the apostles' feet. Peter said, Ananias, why has Satan filled thine heart to lie to the Holy Ghost and to keep back part of the price of the land? Whilst it remained, was it not thine own? After it was sold, was it not thine own power? Why hast thou... Now notice the, the wording here, same as in James. Why hast thou conceived... There's the line of departure. Why hast thou conceived this thing in thine heart? Thou hast not lied unto men, but unto God. And young people... Sometimes we're vague in coming to the Lord when we've got away away from Him. And it's good for us to be very specific. You know, it's interesting if we look at uh, David's life. Let's look at that portion in David's life when Nathan uh, Nathan comes to him. To me, that's very instructive as well. That's in um, 2 Samuel chapter 12. Nathan goes through this discourse with David after David has committed the sin of adultery, after he's killed Uriah the Hittite, and he challenges him. And he says, thou art a man, after he goes through this little, um, this little parable. But what he does is he brings before David the point of departure. Notice verse 9. Wherefore hast thou committed adultery? No. Killed Uriah? No. Wherefore hast thou despised the commandment of the Lord to do evil in his sight? That's the point of departure. And young people, I would just stress that with you. In your desire to follow the Lord, sometimes we think, you know, how come uh, I've just been enjoying the Lord so much and it's just gone now. And I just, I just, I just love to have it back. And the Lord's desire is through repentance we would get back to that point of departure. And it might not be difficult. We look at this and we think, oh, well, the point of departure was, was David when he committed adultery with, with, with Bathsheba. But that's not it at all. The point of departure was despising the commandment of the Lord. And it's the same in our own lives every time. Young person... We're about to sing a hymn. You know, we sang it already, actually. Let's turn to it. First, uh, Robert gave it out earlier in the, in the date. Um, uh, 46 in the, in the back of the book. It's so easy for us to get distracted from following the Lord. And we have these last two words Last two lines of this beautiful hymn, 46 in the back, that I may undistracted be to follow, serve, and wait for thee. Could somebody please start number 46 for us?
Oh, teach me quickly to return. Perhaps there's someone here this afternoon and there's been coldness in your heart and your just desire is to once again follow the Lord Jesus. Just turn to him. His desire is that you would follow. His desire is that each one of us, as we await that moment where we'll hear that shout, is to be following hard after the Lord Jesus. Let's just pray.